Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Merry Christmas. We're looking back at some of our important conversations this past year. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. In the second chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. We read, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. All right, we know um, the rest of the story. Um, We know the angels declare the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, and the shepherds go and see him, and Jesus is then presented in the temple where Simeon and Anna have been awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. Silent night, like, right? Holy night. It's probably a couple of things you're going to do yesterday and today on Christmas Eve and Christmas is read the entirety of um, the declaration or the proclamation of the birth of Jesus. And you're probably going to sing some Christmas carols. I hope you are. Silent Night is one of my one of my favorites. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. It is Christmas Day, um, and this is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen on this Christmas Day. So I hope that... Um, You've been reading along with us during the season of Advent, and we arrive today at the manger throne of Jesus. Christians have been reading the Gospel of Luke for thousands of years, and we've been singing Silent Night for some 207 years. And so I thought maybe we would talk briefly about um, the advent of the song Silent Night. Sometimes I think it's helpful to know where these beautiful hymns have their origin, where they come from, the first people to sing them, and then how we received them today. So the the first rendition of Silent Night was heard by a group of Austrian villagers who were attending a Christmas Eve service at St. Nicholas Church in Oberndorf. And it had a very simple melody, um, these words of comfort, and it has certainly become a beloved hymn throughout the world. It was written in 1816, by a young priest in Austria. His name was Joseph Moore. Um, the Napoleonic Wars had taken their toll, not only on his community, but on his country. Um, and the young priest was unable to sleep. He's out walking around the town, um, acknowledging that God had given him this place and these people to shepherd. And for the first time in a long time, the night was calm and bright. The winter-laden snow covered a sleeping town at peace and rest. And he was moved. The organ at the church was broken. The organ repairman was there on Christmas Eve in 1818 when the 
well, not famous carol (laughs) that we know as Silent Night, was first played by a young priest on a guitar. He sang along with Franz Gruber, who was the choir director who had written the melody. The organ repairman took a copy of the six-verse song to his home village, where it was shared with two families of traveling folk singers who added it to their shows around Northern Europe. And in 1834, the Strasser family performed it for the King of Prussia. Five years later, in 1839, the Rayner family debuted the carol outside of the Trinity Church in New York City. It was sung in churches and in town squares and on battlefields during World War I. It was sung during a temporary truce on Christmas Eve when soldiers sang carols. By 1914, Silent Night was known around the world, and it was sung simultaneously in French and German and English. The original manuscript, however, was lost. And for decades, actually, for better than 100 years, um, well, not can't be right, for like 80, must be like 80 years, for 80 years, other people were credited with the composition of Silent Night. It wasn't until 1994 that an original manuscript was found in Moore's own handwriting, with Gruber named as the composer. So the English version of Silent Night, with which we are all most familiar, the one typically sung, only has three verses. Those would correspond to the original first, sixth, and then second verse of the actual song as composed um, so many years ago. So I thought today... Maybe we would give honor to the original uh, composer, and we would read the verses um, in their original order. So, silent night, holy night, all is calm and all is bright. Round yon godly tender pair, holy infant with curly hair, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light, Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Silent night, holy night, brought the world gracious light. Down from heaven's golden height comes to us the glorious sight. Jesus, as one of mankind. Jesus, as one of mankind. Holy night, silent night, holy night, by his love, by his might, God our Father has us graced as a brother gently embraced, Jesus, all nations on earth, Jesus, all nations on earth. Silent night, holy night, long ago, minding our plight, God the world from misery freed in the dark age of our Father's decreed. All the world is redeemed. All the world is redeemed. Silent night, holy night, shepherds first saw the sight of angels singing Alleluia, calling clearly near and far, Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Um, On this day when we celebrate the silent night, holy night, 
the one sleeping in heavenly peace, the one who is Christ the Savior, Jesus Lord at thy birth. Uh, This is Carmen LaBurge. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. We're going to revisit a conversation we had recently with our friend Vanitha Reisner about walking through the fire. Maybe you're walking through some fire now. Maybe your experience of life has some longings that have gone unmet. You'll enjoy this conversation about, um, about that subject. So Merry Christmas. Stay tuned. Our friend Vanitha Reisner is back with us. Good morning, Vanitha. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Well, I Well, I am well. I am well. How are you? I am doing well. A little raspy voice, but excited to, yeah, get to <laughs> talk to you. That's good for radio. Rat raspy <laughs> is really good for radio. So just, just roll with it. Okay. Um, so we, um, we thought it would be really helpful to talk with you um, about this topic of unfulfilled longings. Um, we are encountering a number of um, friends and family members um, and fellow Christians who, you know, this have these longing prayers and the longing prayers have gotten long. Um, mm. Can you, maybe we could just wade into this. I know you have some great resources on this particular um, topic. And so could we just, you just talk with us about unfulfilled longings? Yeah. Well, Carmen, I feel like I've struggled with that and coming to terms with what do we do with those things from probably from the time I became a Christian and, you know, as a teenager. And then pretty soon after that, all my friends were dating people and there was this sense of why not me? Why is nobody picking me? And, and, you know, went into young adulthood, like, why am I not married? And, Um, how do I reconcile that? You know, I was in nine weddings and just thought this is never going to happen for me. And so that was a real longing, but it was interesting after I I did find somebody and got married, there was a longing for a baby. And then that took a while. I had a bunch of miscarriages. And so there was that longing. And one of the things that God has shown me through my life is it's fine and good to have longings. God has created this that way, but understanding there's not a person probably who doesn't have some kind of longing. And, and, and so part of it is what are we going to do with that? It's not that we need to squelch it and say, we can't have longings because we can, God has given us desires, but we can still have contentment even in the midst of those longings being unfulfilled. And feel like God shows me that over and over again. And, and this year just have dealt with a lot of health issues and lots of longings for Christmas to be the way I want it to look. Like I still Mm. don't have a tree up. We, you know, I've had friends come over yesterday and put a wreath on the door just so that my neighbors don't think I don't care about Christmas. And um, so there's these longings of the way Christmas used to be for me. And I have found though that giving those to the Lord is really what changes it for me because those longings aren't necessarily going to go away and I don't think they need to. I think part of it is what do I do with those and where do they bring me? So that's really a topic that's been, I would say near and dear to my heart my whole life because I've, I've had unfulfilled longings every year of my life, different things. 
Um, and some have been met and, and some still never have. Let's talk about being um, the difference between being content or being discontent in the midst mm-hmm. of a season of longing. Yeah. I think the difference between being content and discontent is where our heart is and where our hope is. If we can be content in the midst of circumstances that are hard, that we really want to be different if we trust that God is in them. So recognizing we can, God calls us to keep crying out to him for the things that we want to be different But recognizing contentment is saying, okay, God, I trust you that even in the crying out for this, that you are there. And even in the denial of this, for as long as I've cried out, there's something you're doing in me. Um, But not giving up hope that it's going to be fulfilled. I don't don't feel like that's what God calls us to do, um, to be content. And so discontentment, though, is saying, I'm not happy with this present moment. Like, you're not enough you need to give me something more for me to be content. And so I think discontentment, some people think means um, that you have, that you're angry with God. And I think that that may be true, but I think discontentment is being unhappy and not being able to live with the things that we still long for. So I I feel like I have been discontent though. I'm speaking speaking to listeners who are saying, well, I'm I I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this. I I get that. I don't feel like I have lived contentedly with these unfulfilled longings. And there are times when I really do cry out to God saying, I don't know if I can take this much longer. And God understands that too. So you know, yes, we shouldn't be discontent, but if you are. That's the best opportunity to pour that out to the Lord. I, I have a friend who um, wrote a book, Better Than My Dreams, Paula Reinhardt. And one thing that she says in that book that has stuck with me, which is the gap between our dreams and longings and reality is where we meet God. And if there's no gap between our longings and reality, there's not as much room for God. And I find that in my own life, like it's the crying out, it's this gap of what I thought my life should be and what it is that I, I cling to God and I meet God in those places so much more than in the places where there's no gaps. And it is the way I want it to be. Those are places I don't lean into the Lord. Mm, So good. Um, Vanita, when we come back, I want to I want to talk about a, a word that you that you surfaced, um, and that is the word through. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Mm. Um, I think it's one of a couple of the most important words, like in the 23rd Psalm. I would lift up, you know, the words even though and the word through um, as really, really significant words in that um, in that Psalm. Um yeah, I just I want to continue this conversation about like how we how we navigate as people of faith with faith by faith um, when our longings go unmet. So we're going to continue our conversation with Vanita Reisner, author of Walking Through the Fire. She's also the creator of Helping the Hurting. One of the things you can avail yourself of through her ministry is actually a Facebook group. It's a community of people who pray for and encourage one another in the midst of 
longings that go unmet in the midst of ongoing suffering. And so if you want that link, I'm happy to send it to you on the text line. Just let me know, 877-933-2484. We'll continue our conversation with Vanitha Reisner in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is an app, but TikTok is also the reality of the year winding down to the end. So we're making lists. We're checking them twice. Things done, things left undone, gifts given, gifts we still need to buy. Would you help us with a gift before the end of the year? Time is ticking away, and this ministry is not possible without you. So I'm wondering if before the end of the year, you would make your best tax-deductible gift to support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps the good news in front of more people everywhere, all the time, anywhere, accessible through the Faith Radio app and at MyFaithRadio.com. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or by giving today at MyFaithRadio.com. TikTok! The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores and refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. When we are talking about continuing to pray and long for um, answers and resolutions that go unmet or unsatisfied, um, we're just reminded that God's not withholding his best from us. He has already given his best to us in, in himself, and he is sufficient. Um, so we're talking with Vanitha Reisner, Sister in Christ. Um, Vanitha, um, someone is asking, why, um, why has Vanitha not put up her Christmas decorations? <laughs> so I, have- I don't know if you can tell us that. Yeah, I I can. Um, This has been probably physically the hardest year I have ever had in my life, which which says a lot because I've Mm -hmm. I've been through things, but it has been um, pretty relentless. I'm still actually recovering from COVID and given my kind of weak immune system and stuff, I'm, I mean, I've been in and out of bed for two weeks but um, some of it has been, I have a spine, um, a cyst on my spine, so I can't stand for more than a, a minute or two. So I'm using the wheelchair and it's really hard to to do things. And so I'm pretty much relying on other people. And, and my husband is wonderful and he loves Christmas, but not quite the same way I do. He's like, mm, we'd be good without a tree this year. So um, that might be part of it. Um, but I have actually a friend coming over today to help me do that. But it's been a year of a series of things. I've had thyroid issues, GI issues, lots of things that have kept me from doing the things that I normally would like to do. Like I've spent most of the year in my house for various reasons. And it's really made me miss going outside, seeing people. So there's been a lot of longings this year. And 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 that is why there's nothing up at my house for Christmas yet. Um, besides my wreath is, um, it's just, it's just been physically challenging and even exhausting to the point of, not caring for a little bit. Like that's when my husband was like, wow, this is pretty big that 
I was like, there's nothing up. This was right after Thanksgiving. I was like, I don't know if I, if, if I have the energy or the desire for that. And, and so that's been what it's like. Whereas normally like before Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm already planning what I'm going to do for the, the holidays. So thank um, you for, yeah. um, yeah, thank you for sharing that and for your, um, yeah, for your, you know, your honesty. Um, I think that sometimes we, we hide or we try to hide um, the things that aren't going well um, as Christians, mm-hmm. as if, you know, as, as if God's witness in the world is dependent on our lives looking really good. Um, and that, that's just not the case. Like, right. God, mm-hmm. God's testimony and God's witness is about him and he loves to use us and shine through us. Um, and you allow him to do that in ways that are really magnificent. And so I want to celebrate that. And I want to, I mean, you are one of those even though people. You are an even though person. And mm. you could be making excuses and you could be um, receding um, into into your pain, into your exhaustion, um, into that mild depression that you just described. Like you could recede into all of those. But instead, you do you do ministry. You continue even though. And that is a Johnny Erickson Tata spirit. That is, um, you know, that is the spirit of some other friends we've made this year on the show. Um, I'm thinking of a guy named Gary Miracle. Like, I'm just thinking there are some even though people out there. And maybe we need to be acknowledging that and and saying, you know, like like saying, we're thankful, Vanitha, that you are an even though person, that you continue to show forth the gospel and minister to us and walk with us, even on the days when it is really hard um, for you to do that. So thank you. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> thank you for saying that, Carmen. That that means a lot. Um, yeah, it's interesting because it's funny with suffering, it's always pretty private. Like it, it happens in people's houses. And I'm sure there are people listening today that are like, people don't know what I'm going through. And um, it is a pretty lonely thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we don't like to talk about. And I, I honestly think if it wasn't my ministry, um, I probably would shy away from talking about it, but I have met God in the most incredible ways in suffering. And it was just neat. Even two days ago, like I haven't even been able to read the Bible much. I've just been so exhausted and dealing with so many things, but I, I, I got up and I was like, I am, I am definitely going to pour into this and was reading John 15. And it just came alive to me, Carmen, just thinking about this idea of fruit, you know, because Jesus says in John 15, that we're the branches and he's the vine. I mean, he prunes vines that, um, so they would be more fruitful. And I've always thought of fruitfulness as usefulness. Like that's that's sort of what I thought fruitfulness was and felt like I feel pretty useless in terms of what the world would say is useful. And yet I saw in this pretty wild way and it really felt like the Lord, like, okay, talk, think about fruit, like pray about what is fruit. And I really was drawn to the fruit of the spirit, which is not fruit other people see and just noticing in John 14 and 15 and 16, it's Jesus says, you know, my peace I give to you. And then he says, remain in my love in John 15. 
And then he says, you know, that you would have my joy. And it reminded me that maybe suffering produces this fruit of the spirit. It's not usefulness fruit that the world says, oh my gosh, you've got a bigger ministry. You can do all these things, but it is this fruit of abiding that brings us closer to Jesus, like having his peace and his joy and his love. That's better than anything. And that's a fruit that will last. That's fruit that will last. And so that's been this neat thing that the way God has met me is I've just sort of been lying in bed or just pondering different things, um, especially with my back, um, this back problem. Um, I may need to have surgery, which is pretty dicey for me. And just saying, God, what are you, what are you doing in this? Like, please help me just even give me a sliver of understanding and, and I felt like God gave me that just like I'm producing fruit that's going to last and it's mm. going to be my peace, my joy, my love, um, and patience as you wait. And that's a fruit that I think all of us with unfulfilled longings, God's producing it, that in us, whether we want it or not, God is teaching us patience and to wait for his timing and that's, mm, that's a, so a really amazing gift. So no, that yeah. is so good. We just um, we just pulled the seeds out of our heirloom pumpkins before we broke them up in the field for the deer. Um, and I had a conversation with my almost ten year old granddaughter, and she's like, "Why are we doing this?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, because we like the look of these pumpkins. Like, right? We mm. we would like to have pumpkins like this next year, and it would be fun. Um, and because this process of taking the seeds out and then sorting them and drying them and keeping them and then planting them in the spring and then waiting, waiting all that time with great anticipation and hope and confidence that God is going to do what God promises to do, which is turn that seed into new fruit. And actually that one seed, you know, produces a vine and on that vine, many pumpkins. And so, you know, we have, we kept way more seeds than we're going to need um, but that reality that fruit takes time to develop and ripen and that there's a process and um, and that God makes good on that promise over and over and over and over and over again, um, that is such helpful, like physical, visual, real experiential evidence um, to come alongside this conversation about spiritual fruit and what God has planted, and the time it takes to develop and ripen, and that it's all to his glory. Um, And so thank you for bringing that image forward today. That's really helpful. Yeah, I really do love that image of the seed, because it's in the earth buried, like nobody sees it, and it's decomposing. I mean, it, it probably, I mean, just to kind of put myself as the seed, it feels like nothing is happening here. You know, I, mm. and yet that is where God does his deepest work when we're kind of hidden away. Um, he's, he's bringing life out of that, but it feels like death. Vanitha, bless you, sweet sister. We love the resurrection power. Um, we know you live in it. Um, we celebrate with you the, the reality of Christ who comes. And we thank you so much for not only walking through the fire, but walking with others through the fire. Um, you, you are a blessing and you bless us today. Mm. 
Thank you. This was yeah. great. I love our conversations. Just even I thinking through like, what is, what is God doing in the midst mm-hmm. of struggle and longings uh, and loss, which I know a lot of the listeners are dealing with today, but knowing God is planting seeds and they will bear fruit. He promises Amen. that. Amen. You guys can um, connect directly with Vanitha at Vanitha.com. You can get from there to her Facebook group, or I am happy to send you the direct link as well on the text line, 877-933-2484. Vanitha, thank you. Thank you, Carmen. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. So do you have some unmet longings this Christmas day? I'm Carmen LeBurge. It is Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I invite you to come to Jesus today to worship Christ, the newborn King. I know that um, that might be a challenge for you. There might be some things going on that uh, that inhibit your joy today. I just want you to bring those to the manger throne of Christ our Lord. Just encourage you to do that today. If you are if you're struggling and you just you need a dose of hope, you need some encouragement at this Christmas time, you're not alone. Text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484, and we're going to text you every couple of days to encourage you and pray with you here from Faith Radio. Um, Again, uh, this is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen, and next up, our conversation with Amy Orr Ewing, author of Mary's Voice. Have you thought much about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Well, let's give her some consideration up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Well, we are headed into that season when we are all looking for ways to focus in on Christmas time and Advent. Amy Orr Ewing is joining us. She's the author of Mary's Voice, Advent Reflections to Contemplate the Coming of Christ. Amy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to join you. So Mary is obviously a central character um, in the birth narrative of Jesus, like we can't have Christmas without Mary. Um, Talk with us about what drew you into, um, you know, focusing not just on Mary, but specifically on Mary's voice. Well, thank you, Carmen. Yes. Um, Well, I've grown up in an evangelical context um, and have known the Lord for three decades, and I've been a theologian and speaker and you know, um, reading the Bible a lot over many, many years. I've never really thought about Mary other than sort of, I guess, imagining her in quite a sort of static pose, you know, blue dress, cherubic baby on her hip, a, a kind of silent figure. And I think possibly because, you know, we think, well, maybe the Catholics major a bit too much on Mary, so we, we don't think about her at all. I once played Mary in a nativity play at my school as a child, and for the whole hour-long production, I didn't say a single word. You know, mm. Mary is a kind of mute figure for us. But I realised that, um, that that's not right. You know, when you look at the gospel accounts, you see that for Luke, Mary was his one of his primary eyewitness sources for the entire gospel and in Luke chapter one we have her direct responses to the incarnation that encounter with Gabriel and then actually her direct speech and that makes the New Testament unlike any document of the era to record 
the words of a first century woman. I mean, it's just stunning. So um, as I began on that journey, I then began to realize that through looking through that lens of her perspective, there's this amazing theological richness because her whole life and all her words point us to Jesus. It's not really about her, but through looking at her, through her perspective, we gain this richer sense of who Jesus is. Mary not only speaks, she asks questions. Um, we we yeah. have a record of her sense of feelings, the actions that she took. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this is the first time that I have really been drawn into um, thinking about, not just that she pondered these things in her heart, I think I've considered that before, but that this is a woman who exercised a choice. She reflected, she responded, she spoke up, she demonstrated great faith. Um, so I would love for you to to center, to invite us in. Maybe that would be the thing to do here. Yeah. Invite us in again to Advent, to the Christmas story, um, accentuating this particular perspective, this one woman's voice. Yeah, so you're absolutely right, Carmen. Mary, in in all of her encounters, is not this static mute figure. She's engaged. She's richly drenched in in the Old Testament. She quotes from Hannah's prayer from Psalm 107 in her Magnificat. You know, I I first really began to consider Mary's perspective um, a few years ago, just two or three years ago. Now, I was supporting a woman um, in a criminal trial. She'd uh, been abused as a child. She'd gone to the police. Um, The police had taken the case. She was now an adult and the trial was happening. And I was there to support her in the public witness gallery. And after um, a couple of days of of hearing the trial unfold, I, I really felt just so in so much lament and sorrow and darkness, really just wanted to pray. And I went into one of the cathedrals, a big, beautiful old churches we have in England still. And um, I just sat there wanting to pray. And as I did, a service of Evensong began and the choir got up to sing and they were singing this beautiful choral music and it happened to be Mary's Magnificat. And there was this one line in the Magnificat that they sang in Old English. It says, he hath brought the rulers down from their thrones and he hath regarded them of low degree. And it, it hit me between the eyes that Mary's vision of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come into this world to do, to tackle the powers of darkness, to proclaim that there is a coming judgment and that he will be judgeable. It, it, it just was stunning to me in, in that situation. And, you know, in Advent, that's the season um, the, the four weeks before Christmas when Christians think about the first arrival of God in history, Jesus, you know, the incarnation, and we think about the second coming, the fact that Jesus is going to return, and we reflect on our, our own place between those two arrivings, and sometimes we're in lament, sometimes we're in, you know, really difficult seasons of struggle and prayer and crying out to, to him. And um, as we do that, to recenter 
Mary's perspective and her voice, what she actually said, what she actually believed about Jesus is, is really powerful and really encouraging. And so, yeah, that's my prayer in the book. You know, it's a daily devotional through December um, and it's just bringing us closer to who Jesus is through that central perspective of, of Mary. We're talking with theologian Amy Orr Ewing. The book is Mary's Voice, Advent Reflections to Contemplate the Coming of Christ. So many um, demands on all of us, particularly women Mm -hmm. during this season. I think there is a real challenge for each of us and all of us to center ourselves on Christ Mm -hmm. at Christmas time. There are a lot of competing expectations and demands on our time, our attention, our resources, um, the same would have been true for Mary. Like, right, the um, the centering on Christ in in the entire experience. I mean, she had a lot of competing demands in her life as well, but she really, um, she centers her life on him. And that yeah. too is, is a real gift in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, but in the run-up to Christmas, there's just so much to do, isn't there? So much emotional labour, so much um, planning and party organising and gift buying and sorting out who relatives and who can sit next to who. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can feel really burdened with all of those material aspects of the holiday season. But by setting aside some time each day to reflect on on you know the advent story on the reality of god actually coming in human history on who jesus is and who we are in the light of that you know we can we can center ourselves on jesus and mary's voice is is a way of doing that it's a way of um welcoming him through recentering the voice actually of Christianity's most significant female witness and as you say she had um, a lot to deal with you know she was a woman living in a time where a woman's voice meant nothing you know a woman uh, her, her testimony in a court of law in the first century was not valid it had to be a man's voice a man's testimony she was living at a time when um, her people were living under the occupation of a foreign power. You know, she lived under the Roman Empire, one of the most powerful empires the world has ever known. She lived at a time of relative poverty, if you compare the resources ordinary people had then to, to what we have now. And so, you know, she she can help us with with what it actually means to to centre who Christ is and what he's come to do. And what it means to live with hope in this kind of dark world and in this dark age. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Um, you you know the story, but have you actually listened to the story through the voice of Mary? We're talking with theologian Amy Orr Ewing about her gift to us this Christmas season. It's called Mary's Voice, Advent Reflections to Contemplate the Coming of Christ. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 2023 is almost in the books. We're about to turn the page to 2024. And as we do so, 
What kind of plans are you making to be in the Bible every day? Every day I ask, where in the Word are you today? Which implies that I wholeheartedly believe that you and I need to be in the Word of God every day. If you don't make a plan to do it, you're not going to do it. So I want to invite you into our Bible in a Year reading plan available right now at MyFaithRadio.com. You always say you want to do it. This year, Let's commit together to spending time every single day in the Word of God so that every day you'll have an answer to the question, where in the Word are you today? The Word of God will be getting into you before you get out there into the world that God so loves. So get your Bible in a Year plan now at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Amy Orr Ewing, she's the author, among other things, of Mary's Voice, Advent Reflections to Contemplate the Coming of Christ. Amy, we um, we all know, you know, like the seven words, the seven statements of Jesus from the cross. I wonder how many folks, uh, if we just ask them, hey, what, what are the things that Mary actually said? How many of us could rattle those off? You are inviting us into that exercise this Advent to really listen to the voice of Mary. So maybe we could unpack one of those. What is something that Mary says um, that stands out in your mind right now? Yeah, so um, in her interaction with the angel Gabriel when he arrives and says, Mary, you're highly favored. You know, just Mm. think about that for a moment. She's a woman in a patriarchal context where a woman's voice meant nothing. She's living under occupation. And God says through the angel Gabriel, you are favored. And um, he says, you're going to have this child, he will be, Emmanuel, he'll be the most high, he'll reign on David's throne, his kingdom will never end. And the text says she was troubled and afraid. And she said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? That's the first question she asks. In other words, Mary is a real person living at a real time of difficulty and struggle, living under occupation, and she understood human biology. You know, she knew where babies Mm -hmm. came from, and she exercises her voice to question, how can this be? You know, and she's she's troubled. She knew what it would mean with all of those um, layers of already disadvantage she's living under to now be pregnant and unmarried. And the angel speaks to her of what, what, what it will be and what it will mean, and then she says this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as your word has been said to me. In other words, she says, yes, may it be so. She chooses to accept that awesome responsibility and offer, perhaps knowing the prophecy and that had been given to her people through the prophet Isaiah that one day a virgin will conceive and have a son and he will be called Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Perhaps knowing the words to all of our foremother Eve, the first messianic promise of the Bible, that a woman's seed will crush or bruise the serpent's head, that one day someone born of a woman will have the power to utterly defeat evil. I mean, that must have been pretty overwhelming for a teenage girl, you know, just just an ordinary teenage girl who does understand biology, who's just met an angel, but she says, may it be to me according to your word. 
So she says yes to God. I mean, what outstanding faith. There's so much um, respect for the human person in this passage. Like, right, God God has a will. He has a chosen person. Um, he yeah. sends he sends word to that person that this is their very unique calling in all of human history. Um, yeah, but then she gets to agree. Like it's not like yeah, God's going to do this to you no matter what, right? She exactly. The, yeah, you the only say, reason and, it feels like Luke tells us that she says yes is because there was the possibility she could have said no. Exactly. Like in our words, you could say she exercises consent. I mean, yes. it's very, very clear in the conversation. She's given um, the word. She's given the opportunity. She is afraid. She does understand biology. She does understand the cultural cost for what she's being called to do. Mm-hmm. You know that song, Mary, did you know? The answer mm-hmm. is yes, mm-hmm. she did know. Mm-hmm. And she says, may it be according to your word. So she stands in that stream and that flow of scripture, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, and, and she's willing. She says yes. She has, um, in, you know, in her own voice when she says, I am the Lord's servant, I just think of so many people today who struggle with the question of identity. You know, who am I? Mm. You know, what in the world am I in the world to do? That identity, belonging, and purpose thing. Um, Mary is very clear. Um, in understanding who she is, and she articulates it beautifully in laying claim to the reality that I am the Lord's servant. I am, I yeah. am his vessel. I am his handmaiden. I am, you know, I guess whatever the language might be that we would attach to that. Um, but she has a clear sense of who she is. And now in this moment, she knows what in the world she's in the world to do. It's pretty great. Yeah. And then in her Magnificat, in the um, the statement of, of praise that just flows out of her um, after that encounter with the angel Gabriel, she invites us into that vision of, of who God is and what Jesus has come into this world to do. So I mentioned earlier, he will bring the mighty, the rulers down from their thrones and exalt them of low degree. It talk, she talks about the hungry will be filled with good things and the rich sent away. The proud will be scattered in the imaginations, in the machinations, in the thoughts of their hearts. And so there's this extraordinary, defiant statement of theological hope that the coming of God in history in the person of Jesus actually changes things. It, 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 it turns the power structures of our age on their head it turns things upside down Jesus coming into this world really matters and for those of us who you know who struggle in this dark and weary world you know we can live in the light of the hope of what the coming of Jesus actually means that there will one day be justice that there is peace that there is a kingdom beyond you know, just the political system we live in. And we can lift our eyes with hope to, in this season of all seasons, to to see that and live in the light of that truth again. Uh, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful um, invitation into a relationship with Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, that I, I 
I don't know that anyone else has ever done, at least not uh, to put it in our hands as a um, as an experience for Advent. So thank you so much. It's such a gift. Amy Orr Thanks. Ewing is the author. Mary's Voice is the devotional. Advent Reflections to Contemplate the Coming of Christ. Amy, thank you so much for joining us and for the gift of this book. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, friends, this is Christmas. It has arrived. He has arrived to a world in sin and error pining. He has appeared and the soul felt its worth. You feel the worth of your soul today in the person of Jesus? A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Are you thrilling today with hope? Are you allowing your weary self to rejoice? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Do you recognize the difference that Christmas makes? That Christmas changes everything and that everything changes because of Christmas? When the angels declare this is good news of great joy for all people, this is joy to the world, It's as true for us as it was for them on that first Christmas day. And so let your heart prepare him room today. (laughs) That gets me thinking about my friend Susie Larson's prepare him room devotional. I hope you are devoting time and attention to the Lord today. Merry Christmas. Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.